Welcome to Comics Talk, episode number two, with uh, hey. Reggie and Chris. This is a Patreon-only show. Uh, just still working out the kinks, figuring out how yes. we want this to go. But uh, we, you know, we want a subject this time. We want to talk about the dreaded deadline doom of comics publishing. But first, we do want to mention that uh, just this week on Tuesday, right? It was Stanley passed away. Yes, and uh, you know everyone has done their. Uh, due diligence, done their obituaries and their specials, and um, we're not going to do that right now because no. we, we've always had in mind to do a Stanley bio on Weird Comics history, and uh, in fact, now is the best time since now we will have a uh, a conclusion to it. Um, sure. And you know th- what we're talking about here in this in this topic today, it is uh, relevant to Stanley also. But just just know that we're all very sorry to see him go. Very hugely important. Fulcrum to the comics history, and we don't deny it, but we're going to forge ahead with our existing plan. So, uh, you started off here, Chris. Okay, like you said, dreaded deadline doom. So, uh, that's keeping books on schedule. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, back in the golden and silver ages of comics, deadlines were handled with inventory stories. Now, inventory stories are, you sometimes hear them say, like, oh, we pulled this out of a drawer, you know, because, uh, because editors would like bank a bunch of completed stories just to to slot in as needed. If someone's running behind, it's like, okay, well, we got, you know, you're you're running low behind on Superman. We got five of them in the drawer, so right. start getting them out. Um, now, since most comics were one-offs with no real continuity between them, this was pretty easy to do. It would be a lot harder to do it nowadays. Yeah, um, which is something we will get they, to towards the end. They still do it, but it's, <laughs> it's harder to do. Yeah. Now, to be sure, most comic chapters were one-offs, so not just the issues themselves, but all the chapters within, and some of those might actually contradict the next chapter in the very same issue, so... Not a whole lot of continuity. No. Uh, and indeed, these chapters would even feature other characters entirely. You know, we, we if you're listening to uh, the Cosmic Treadmill right now, we're talking about uh, Action Comics Weekly, where we did do a little bit of a history on Action Comics, where there were backups that didn't feature Superman. Right. You'd have you'd have the Aquaman backup. You'd have a Green Arrow and Black Canary backup. Uh, Martian Manhunter got his first appearance in Detective Comics in a backup. Yeah, so. I think Green Arrow was also in. Well, maybe that well, that was Action, right? Uh, it was he might have done Detective Two though. That was you know that that was a Mort Weisinger. That was his, comics, yeah. his creation. So maybe wherever he could stick Green Arrow, he had a good time with it. But it shows that like comics back in the day were more like putting together a puzzle piece. It, For sure, it wasn't like you know let's let's think of a of a long form story and hammer it out. It was more like ah, what do we got laying around? We, <laughs> we need twenty pieces. Exactly, <laughs> we need twenty pages to fill. Give me art. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, now it was only when comics were told like in a linear narrative with continuity between issues that making the deadline became. Vital, really. Um, and this would begin, we mentioned Stan earlier, this would begin officially with the release of Stan and Jack's Fantastic Four number one. That was a November 1961 cover date. Yeah, that uh, would be the beginning of it. You know, I, and absolutely. Going through Silver Age stuff, I've been doing those Lois Lane things for sure. weird science, and 
Um, there, there was continuity in DC Comics, and I guess even in like, uh, you know, the Walt Disney Comics, in the sense that they might refer to something that happened in an earlier issue, but it wasn't a narrative. You know what I mean? It was, you know, it was like, why don't you use use the same shtick you did in another issue, Superman? Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they were building on something. It was just sort of like recalling uh, earlier incidents and referring to them. That's not really... You gotta figure a lot of that was by accident, too. Probably, you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe E. Nelson Bridwell got in the mix and decided to uh, flex his uh, memory or something his right continuity there. continuity cop muscles, yes. But, but, but it wasn't continuity in, the, in a narrative sense. It was more no. just sort of pretending like things had relevance uh, years later. Certainly. Now, uh, a modern penciler is expected to produce roughly one page of comics art per day. Uh, you got 20 pages per issue divided by four weeks, uh, five pages a week, you know, given a five-day work week. Right. Now, of course, this doesn't factor in any planning or plotting or, after the work's done, reworking the pages and, and other such calamities, lost art, uh, an inking mishap. Oh, yeah. All sorts of stuff could happen, which could uh, make dreaded uh, dreaded deadline doom uh, just something that's unavoidable. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and it's also important to say that a lot of times I've heard uh, pencilers say they don't get paid for those uh, corrections either, even if they have I to redo it. like an entire two or three panels. 90%. Yeah. That's, that's all part of the thing. Uh, an inker today is expected to complete one page a day. Uh, also, modern colorists are expected to do an issue in about two weeks. Uh, this actually is longer than it used to take color comics, but they use yeah. a lot more colors and gradations than ever. It's it's more of a painting than it ever sure. used to be. It used to just be something specified on the art, and the printer uh, oh, yeah. like, dropped the color look... and... Yeah, if you look at like like any um, a full month of Bronze Age DC, it's like a or pre Crisis DC, it's like Gene D'Angelo did the coloring in in every single one, you know, right, right, right. or or the lion's share of them. Yeah, it was it was something you could do in a you know bang it out in a couple of days, and it, sure, you didn't have to actually apply color. You were just like writing uh, instructions for for the printer yeah. to do it, and that's also it's why like X's with the blacks. Yeah. I, I remember when I was a kid, I was always wondering like why are all of these. You know, you could you could see all this original art from whoever, you know, Kirby or whatever, and it's all black and white. Mm-hmm. I was always like, "Where's the colored version?" It doesn't didn't really work that way. I didn't realize that it was like a something that happened Press, mechanically yeah. more. Uh, letterers also uh, they're expected to letter a comic in about two weeks these days, roughly half the time that it used to take. Uh, although they used to do it right on the board, and that used to be the first thing you inked was the letters. That yeah, that's something people uh, don't really know now. That's that's why now letterers are named. Last, where they used to be, they used to come above colors. They used to come above colors. They used to be yeah. at the order they went in. Uh, that's just a rough guide, though. By the way, based on some common creator claims that we looked looked around and uh, little things that we know. Of course, the time for an individual creator can be longer or shorter, depending on every factor. Absolutely. Everything from the complexity of the art to the amount of the copy that's there. So, you know, a letterer sometimes, some of these if, books. If Chris Claremont wrote the issue. That's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I think these letterers should probably get extra extra pay, combat paper. pay before, for writing some of these guys' stuff. Uh, the innate speed of the pencil. There's a million reasons why somebody might get more money or a different amount of time. But that, that's roughly about right. So uh, once Jack Kirby left Marvel Comics, uh, Stan Lee stepped down as editor-in-chief in Marvel in 1972, almost a year later or two years later. Uh, and really after Roy Thomas vacated the position around 1974, Marvel Comics began to seriously miss their deadlines. Uh, not the least of which, though, is they had lost a guy that could do four comics a month. 
You know, <laughs> that, that was a huge problem. I with, with, uh, with three fingers tied behind. I mean, really, I, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like it's like you just basically lost one guy that does the work of four. That's gonna put a kick in your uh, in your what you're doing. For so, sure. Uh, that's this is a, so the typical thing back then, and this was true of DC also, was to run reprints in the place of a new comic, which. Uh, even when you go back to the very beginning of comics, they were reprints, you know? Sure. Uh, people, they go nuts about this, but I remember many times the first time I read certain comics were because of reprints, you know? Like some of the classic Fantastic Four, I oh, read Marvel as... Marvel Tales or... All, yeah, yeah, exactly, sure. those those 70s reprints. That's some vital stuff. Uh, and I guess we sort of keep that up today with digital. Sort, mm-hmm. of, sort of fills that need if you want, if you're dying to read the stories, but... Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not against it. I'm just what I'm saying. But sure. uh, sometimes deadlines were missed so severely, however, that the interior of a comic would be a reprint, <laughs> the cover advertised a new story, and boy, that would annoy the hell out of me. Well, yeah. one one time that I, I plucked out was Ghostwriter Volume Two, Number Ten, February 1975, Cover Eight advertises a meeting of Ghostwriter and the Hulk, <laughs> which should be huge. But the inside is a reprint of Marvel Spotlight 5, uh, August 72 cover date, which is Johnny Blaze's first appearance. So some <laughs> some Hulk fans were not thrilled with that one, I have a feeling. No, I would imagine not. Now, it would seem like this was due to a lack of editorial guidance, editorial control, rather than a creator a creative problem. Um, though it's hardly a mystery that he went through, this is Marvel, of course, went through four editors-in-chief within four years. Yeah. Uh, we had Len Wein, his buddy Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, and Archie Goodwin all sitting in that seat. Yep, <laughs> during the rotating in and out, boy. They were just like. <laughs> oh. Now, uh, one, uh, <laughs> I think the one that might give the, the the word or the phrase "dreaded deadline doom." Yes, this is where it comes it's from. yeah, it's meaning and it's oomph here. This is an issue of Howard the Duck, uh, issue number sixteen, September nineteen seventy seven, cover date. This is by Steve Gerber and uh, many. Pencilers and inkers. There should be a red flag right there. Really? Story is called Zen and the Art of Comic Book Writing, and it's more commonly known by the title that is on the cover, Deadline Doom. This issue consists of an essay by Steve Gerber explaining why he was late with some not so great artwork around the right. edges. No. This is like a pro, like a what, some what decent stuff, some not, you know, but none of it all looks like it was. Dashed off pretty rapidly. Last minute, you know? yeah. yeah. It, it, what did we call? Uh, it rhymes with lust. Not, not, not like a. It isn't sequential art. It's more like a picture book. A picture I guess. book or something like this. Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's images, still images, and then like a whole bunch of story next to it. You know? A whole bunch of words. Yeah. yeah. And uh, excuses for this include scripting issue fifteen, also the annual. Spending several weeks writing the Howard the Duck comic strip, the syndicated one. Also writing and editing the 64-page Kiss mag that Marvel put out. That's the band. And uh, simultaneously moving from Hell's Kitchen to Las Vegas. Yes. I I just want to say, too, though, when he did this, though, this is issue 16. So to some extent, he had earned... The right. It is. It's a rip. It's ridiculous. And, and uh, have you and, read it lately? No, I haven't. It's, it's been. It's, it's. 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 I do remember it not being very pleasant. You know. But it's. It's. The, it's a book you can do that in. It's Howard the Duck. And well, I'm, you can get away with Howard. Yeah. I'm just thinking about other other creators, not just in comics, but in the world, who they want to do something like this on the second issue. 
Right? It's like you haven't you haven't <laughs> earned. You got to you got to log in a few issues before you uh, have fun with the format and For get sure. loose with it. But anyway, get, go uh, back to the it's, game. It's an important issue, I, and I and I love getting to it when I when I reread like the essential Howard the Duck yeah. uh, collection because it is just so weird and it is so noteworthy. But when you get like three pages into it, it's like okay, done, done, can't do it. I tell it's you, just, if, if I'm buying it at the time, I definitely would have been in a rage to buy that oh, one off yeah. the rack. Like, what the hell is this crap? <laughs> I, I tell you what, the uh, the letters page for issue eighteen or nineteen oh, they must let have been them very know. interesting. They let <laughs> yeah. them know for sure. <laughs> now, uh, then we have the hero to our story, Jim Shooter. He comes on board as EIC in 1978, and his first order of business was to bring these comics. On schedule. Mm. Now, he claims for the first 10 months in the gig, he did not even look at the interiors of the issues because he was afraid that he would be tempted to change something, which would hold it back and perhaps put it off schedule. Uh, and he also did something that no one else had attempted previously. He hired more editors. Whoa. Yes, because uh, if you look at a lot of the, the credits for books of that era, a lot of the writers are credited as writer-editor. Right. So you have uh, Steve Gerber or Marv Wolfman writing it and then editing it themselves. <laughs> which, a, I mean, it's a great gig if you can get it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, he made it so uh, you had to pick a lane. You had to pick, you're going to be a writer, you're going to be an editor. And it looks like most of them decided to keep the writery portion of their uh, profession. Or they went to D.C. That was the other. Or they went to D.C. <laughs> so they could do they could keep their their dual title. Exactly. Just like uh, Mr. Uh, Wolfman. Yes. Mr. Wolfman did that for sure. Uh, but ten months later, all the dates were being met. So Jim uh, Jim Shooter did it. And now the, this is a time also. This is newsstand days. Direct market was still building up and it existed, but the bulk and by that I wasn't mean, what it. Yeah. The vast majority was newsstand. So when you miss. A date, you paid a penalty, or there was a penalty to it. Maybe not, you know. Sometimes there was a dollar penalty, depending on on the comic or depending on the arrangement. But there could also be a penalty in that, you know, if if you don't get Howard the Duck to the stand, well, maybe the guy doesn't care if he sees Howard the Duck next month. You know what I mean? Sure. Like he's, the he, kids, yeah, the kid spends his twenty cents on on Green Lantern this he, month. He's he's worried about the comics done. he yeah. can get, not the comics he's not getting. You know, so. Exactly. Uh, so it's the kind of thing. It was a really big deal, as we you know we'll talk about it. Why it's not such a big deal these days, and it's, <laughs> it's unfortunate. But uh, yeah, that that was to be honest. Of all the things Jim Shooter did for Marvel and in comics, and uh, we've we've talked uh, highly of him many times. For fact, sure. If you want to go back and hear his bio, that's the that Star Brand episode. That was Cosmic Treadmill seventy one. Seventy one. Yeah. All right. So if you want to, that that was. Uh, I think that this was the biggest thing. Was I think so? Getting the books to be on schedule. If they're not coming out monthly, what is the freaking point? You're not giving, you're not supplying the drug. You know, yeah. like heroin producers don't take three months off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't. They don't say. They don't say we'll be back next summer. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll 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 talk about that more as we go. So for sure. Uh, by that mid 1980s, DC also stopped putting out reprints in place of delayed books. And now, with the rise of the superstar artists in the 80s, delays started creeping back into comic books in a big way. Uh, this is really a matter of opinion. I don't know if you definitely share this, Chris, mm. but uh, I think it was John Byrne more than anyone that gave credence to the writer, the superstar writer-artist, right? To, oh, yeah. Uh, the, oh, 100%. The, the artist 100%. over the writer. I mean, he was just so big in the 80s, and they started giving him more of his own books totally to write and draw. But a guy who, for all his faults... 
was not known to miss deadlines. So, For sure. uh, you know For what I mean? Sure. It's, it's like you, you've got the, uh, the cachet part, but you didn't take the seriousness of your job. No, it was uh, still a, it was still a professional endeavor to him. Yeah. He was, absolutely. he was always, I was always on time. And, uh, I, I, I'm even thinking like into the nineties when he was, when he was scripting for some, uh, rose growers who we'll get to in a little bit. I yeah. don't think any of that was off schedule either. I think he professional to a fault, I think. Yeah. Uh, Definitely, I, 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 to a fault. That's its its own discussion, maybe. You know. What I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to think about the the tough I'm, I'm nut. I'm the chip on his shoulder. The tough <laughs> nut to crack that is John Byrne. It's he's such an interesting character because also we've talked about him a lot, and there's so much he yeah. says that that we agree with, but the way that he says things he is says not it. the best, and uh, sometimes just the, it's like. John, you're uh, you're off base here, but anyway, <laughs> not known to miss his deadlines. That's that's the main thing. So when we talk about these the rise of these new superstar artists, we're primarily pretty much talking about Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld. There were others. Eric Larson would be in there. Sure. Um, there were a handful of guys. Will Sylvester, Mark Silvestri. All the guys started Image essentially. But there were even other names floating around in the wind at the time that would kind of on sure. the same bent. Uh, Todd McFarlane used to have a saying that we'll paraphrase because we're sure he never said it the same way twice. Uh, he said, uh, image books were late because they're growing roses. Sorry, I tried to do a Todd McFarlane voice. <laughs> he said, uh, image books were late because they, they were growing roses, and he'd prefer to books from the big two that were able to maintain a schedule as being shit out on a monthly basis, you see. Yeah. So, <clears throat> which, when you're on top of the comics world, as he was when he said that, you can say that kind of thing, but nowadays he prides himself on being able to put out a product every month, even shipping 15 issues in 2011. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive, not on a Spider-Man sure. level. Uh, this Growing Roses line has become something of a meme at John Burns Forum to refer to the practices of decadent superstar artist writers. Yes, uh, to the point where it's just like most memes, it's overused there. Uh, you could go to his site and search for growing roses, and oh, yeah. it might shut your it might shut your computer down. I think I've seen I've seen Burn mention it a million million times. But oh yes, you know they're not wrong that it's such a no. There's a credence, yeah, a, such for a sure. crappy thing to say where it's just like it's like don't you know your roses they the when they come out months late they stink. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and and they're only hanging on to life by a by a wing and a prayer. Oh, really? Um, we jumped from the 90s into the 2000s <laughs> here where the superstar was less the artist and uh, things became more about the writer. And uh, especially when writers would slum it in comics. Uh, which I, which who you I, know from... I actually think just to cut it, I think that had to do with a, like a kind of a backlash against image. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Oh, like, for sure. like, but they they had worn out their welcome essentially by delaying all their by missing all their deadlines. Was they had burnt all their bridges? Turned out the comics mm-hmm. weren't as great as people wanted them to be. And uh, oh. yeah, we're seeing the re- the reaction to that is we're still living in that era kind of now. It's funny if you look at some of the old image books. Uh, one of the it, it, and, and talk about not being able to take the temperature of a statement. Uh, they one of the sayings was "image over substance." <laughs> you know, and they would use it proudly. Yeah, and I remember when uh, Liefeld and Lee came in for the Heroes Reborn thing in uh, the late '90s. Uh, one of the first things that was in there was substance over image. One of the characters said that, mm. and it kind of marked in my head. 
that, okay, I guess we're seeing that this is changing. And it was one of the image guys who wrote it. So it was yeah, kind of interesting. I think they, they maybe they grew up a little bit and they realized maybe, yeah, the frat, other the frat things house were let important. Them out. Right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, going on to the to the superstars who slummed it in comics, uh, I think that starts with Kevin Smith. Right. Uh, he uh, he did Marvel Knight's Daredevil, the, uh, the new uh, volume two, I guess it would be, in 1998, which ran very... Very, very late. <laughs> very late. Uh, <laughs> he also did some uh, pretty awful Batman projects. Yeah. Uh, that also ran very, very, very late. Part of that is even finished. The uh, I can't remember which one it is. It's either Cacophony or Widening Geyer. It, it's still undone. It, it, it ended with a big cliffhanger. Oh. We don't know what and, happened. Uh, because the Daredevil one was – the Daredevil uh, – and it's weird to say it now because uh, we are so far removed from it. Uh, Im- uh, not Image, a uh, Wizard magazine had it in their head that Daredevil should replace Spider-Man as Marvel's uh, mascot, guy, yeah, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where, like, every month they were running stories like, is it time to replace Spider-Man as Marvel's mascot? And they would use Daredevil because they were pals with Kevin Smith. Sure, exactly. You know, that's the big one. Sure, and it's like, and if you're going to do that, okay, at least get the book out every month. <laughs> I know. Don't but, worry about don't worry about who's replacing who. Just right? get, I mean, get the book out every month. <laughs> Spider-Man was in the midst of a real garbage reboot by Byrne and Mackey, but it came out every it came out twice a month. So I mean, it, it, he's still he's still producing work. I, you know, but, I, I want to talk about that more in the wrap up, but that hmm. is an aspect of whether you know you like a book or not. Also, but. Let's uh, we'll, we'll deal with that. We'll get there. The final we'll get analysis, there. I think. <laughs> but uh, this Daredevil was a, I think it was a twelve issue story arc, and between like issues four and five, it was months of delay, wow. and uh, you just can't do that if you're if you're putting something as the standard bearer for your company. Yeah, you can't do that, uh, and we will talk more about that later. <laughs> um, Kevin Smith also has Daredevil slash Bullseye colon the target. This was a 2002 miniseries that only released one issue. And if you look around online, it's still listed as pending. Yeah, well, hey. I, I, I know I'm still holding my breath. As long as Kevin Smith draws breath, which may, it's not, be, still out. may not be forever, <laughs> still a possibility, though. You know, it's true. <laughs> there was also another miniseries, Spider-Man Black Cat, The Evil Men Do. That was a six-issue miniseries that started in 2002. August of 2002 was the first cover date. And these six issues took until March 2006. Wow. Almost an issue a year. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's like, come on, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's a laborious process, but we can do better than that. It's not that not that hard. It's crazy. And like you mentioned earlier, Cacophony and the Widening Gear, or Gaia, or however, however the hell whatever you say that. Yeah, uh, one of them ain't even finished yet. Although, and that was... In their that defense, was like, they're both terrible. So they're they're garbage. Yeah, if you <laughs> if the if the bat penis wasn't enough for you, you can have Batman wetting his pants. Oh, that's true. That's in this right. One. So uh, if you're really into uh, into Batman's lower half, it was you, a bladder spasm, Chris. Come on. <laughs> but th- these were, I mean, we're going back to uh, pre New Fifty Two, so this is almost a decade ago, and they're still not done. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, back over to Marvel here, uh, we have uh, the Gemis Casada era, which was kind of the you know the era of the Olive Branch. They were trying to bring in lapsed Marvel pros, right. uh, people who got angry at the old Harris regime, regime, and they did a pretty good job of it. But one of the things they did that readers and uh, uh, obsessive compulsive types like myself noticed 
was they removed the cover dates from the covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did keep it in the indicia, just like DC. Uh, but uh, and a lot of people have theorized that this was a way for them to hide delays. So if you saw that Daredevil number five came out with a February on it, and then Daredevil number six came out with a November on it, it's easier to tell how far apart these were because this is before everything got a trade. Everything now gets a trade. So if if you want to read, you know, Guardian Devil, you're gonna read the trade. You could, but, yeah. But, but, but back then, then you would have had to go get at your find the issues. You're looking and... at the singles, and you're looking at it where it's gonna be, you know, you're if you're flipping through them and you see how far apart these things are, it becomes obvious that they that they, you know. Well, you know, I I think I think what you're talking about is definitely a it's definitely a true thing, you know, that that they're able to hide their delays through by not having uh, cover dates on the on the thing. I mean, if you go into a store. And you're just buying the most recent three issues of a book. You don't know what those they were delayed. You're just sure. buy them off the shelf. But I wonder if it's a symptom of or a cause due to the direct market. Because that's definitely what it is. I mean, the the, the cover mm. the cover dates were there because in the long ago, the olden days, the magazine distributor would come and he would look at all the and magazines the that, co- yeah. that were old and pull them out and re- replace them with new stock or whatever. That when things because that was like the expiration date exactly. on the newsstand when it hit the month that's on there because the, everything's dated a couple months ahead. So if exactly. the, the month matches the date, it gets yanked. Yeah, you, had, it, you had three months to sell a comic back in the day, basically. Yeah, and then uh, it changed to two. And, yeah. and, as, and as I recall, too, to be honest, some distributors weren't so on the ball. You might get older comics in your in your. <laughs> places, but you know, what I mean, it was it wasn't a perfect system, but that was the idea. Not hard was that, yeah. That's that's why that no one is doing that. Obviously, for the uh, LCS, right. they're expected to hang on to those comics indefinitely until they can sell them. So it becomes a non-issue, but it also hides any delays. You know, uh, so I think it's it becomes. I, I'm not sure. Which why it was done which way, but it, the result is the same is what I'm telling yeah, you. You know what I mean? The, the timing was uh, was kind of the most suspicious because that's when everything started to fall behind. Yeah, because uh, it, it, I think you know when when you really want Daredevil because Kevin Smith for all of his faults he's not a half bad writer with Daredevil. Yeah, <laughs> his Daredevil was pretty good. Um, and when you want that next issue and it ain't coming out, I think uh, I think fans look for whatever reason they can to be angry and. Uh, Marvel did their damn just because he, you know, this guy was a fella slumming it in comics. They didn't want to make him angry. Right. So they were circling every wagon they could. And then all of a sudden, dates are coming off the comics. You know, so I think I, I think it was just a perfect storm. It might not have had anything to do with it. I, but uh, I have a feeling it was all it was all in the positives column. You know, when they looked at, when they looked <laughs> at doing it, they were like, this all works for us. Every aspect of it will help us, you know. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, yeah, that, that's really that's really all there is to say about it. That it definitely, I think, I think whether they did it because it was irrelevant and it was going to help them, or the other way around, it yeah, works both ways. Yeah. Um, and DC followed suit just a year ago right. when they changed their, their trade dress uh, to remove the rebirth banner. Uh, they took cover dates off, which, and, is, which uh, they did hang in with with newsstand sales longer. But I'm almost yeah. positive 2012 or 2013 was the last one. I, I bet you're right. It's yeah. been years, so I mean, why they hung in this long, I have no idea. I thought they were just doing it to placate folks like me who, uh, <laughs> who, who like who do my research. I do my research from physical matter. Come and, on, uh, Chris, so don't you I know by now that I could give a crap about placating you? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. But uh, it's funny that they they pull off the they pull off the cover dates last year. 
just around the time where DC Comics start running painfully late. Very late, yeah. Uh, I just, a uh, lot of things are running late. It's true, and we could talk about one uh, in particular that we are very, very close to, and that's uh, our friend Gerard Way and the Young Animal line of comics. Uh, and we're talking, of course, about Doom Patrol, Volume yeah. 6. That was very depressing stuff because the Doom Patrol is a group, uh, you know, a team that we like a lot. And it started very promisingly, but that that's a book that died because of delays. The story changed over time because they had meant it to tie in with it. It had to change, and and they ended up dropping uh, threads, uh, storylines, because they had to, you know. And this is this is the problem. See, here's here's the thing. Um, and really, really, we should get into this thing about we'll we'll talk about the nowadays the uh, every. Comic is made into a trade, yeah. And I can't remember Chris if it was Brian Michael Bendis or Mark Wade. I think it was said, Wade. but they both agree with the idea. Oh, of course they do. That <laughs> that uh, and this isn't verbatim, but don't worry about you know getting the single issue comic on time. The only thing that's going to matter is the trade in the long run. And what what really pisses me off is they're 100 percent right. Uh, of that's all there is, you know what I mean? That that's no one, you know. Yeah, Watchmen yeah. is one famously had wrong headed, but mass, it's not wrong. It's very wrong headed. Watchmen is a book that had massive delays when it came out, uh, especially sure. on the back half. No one really worries about that. It's been selling in. You'd never hear it. Yeah, it's you know it's been selling in bookstores now for decades and robustly. So that's pretty much the official version uh, for most people would be the trade paperback. Uh, yeah. DKR too, I think had delays. Now that I think about it, maybe it didn't. And Camelot too. And Camelot. <laughs> Camelot. Holy cow! That and, had huge uh, delays. Ronin, uh, the other Miller thing. They they all had delays. But you know, uh, no, but, uh, but Camelot and Watchmen and all those those are separate stories. You know what I mean? Uh, for sure. Yeah, those, they're they're cut off. Those from, were uh, tied. And Camelot, of all those, I'm thinking in my mind, that one had to be done by Gibbons and uh, who the hell wrote that? That was uh that was Brian Boland who drew it. Oh, Brian Boland uh, and uh and I I can't for the life of me remember who wrote it. Was it uh Grell? No. No, no, no. Can't remember. Um it's 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 great. And that one really had to be done by them and it's off in its own. It was Mike W. Baugh. Oh, there you go. The all the yeah. Batman and the Outsiders buddy, but uh yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great series. That one had to be done. And that one almost could have been done just as a prestige. That could have been an epic for sure. uh, imprint story or any of those independent things. So, uh, and like for example, you we have here the Doomsday Clock story. Yes, is now massively delayed. Um, now, on one hand, it doesn't really matter to me because you know you you, you wouldn't want fill an artist on this anyway. No. Uh, and he is trying to create a a unified work. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, uh, it's also supposed to affect the DC universe going forward. Yeah, we're treading water. We've and been treading water for a year now. It's really messed up their plans. It's it's accelerated certain events they want they they didn't want to do yet, and then they ended up doing them, and it's delayed other things. And I mean, I think I think also personally, Dan DiDio plays too much of the you know waiting for the perfect time. Like he thinks a, a portal is going to open up when it's time <laughs> to publish Legion of Superheroes comics. Like the time is now. No one else yeah. is going to do it. Yeah, you Marvel ain't gonna publish a Legion. So <laughs> exactly. Just do it's, it. Only yeah. one company can do it. You. So it's, that's 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 the time. But anyway, but uh, you know. So on one hand, I I do get it, but you know, from from a from a standpoint of people that buy comics, uh, I'm I'm someone that I'm at the comic store. You know, you're you're actually out there in the bins more regularly than me. 
I'm at this comic store you know, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, that when these, these books get delayed, the interest vanishes, you know what I mean? I just don't give a crap mm-hmm. anymore, you know what I mean? My enthusiasm drains completely away. That happened with Doom Patrol in a huge way. Oh, for uh, sure. By the end of it, we were just down and out angry. We were, we were so mad at that book, um, and it's uh, it's it's not often that I'm embarrassed by what we do. Yeah. <laughs> As in never. I'm never embarrassed by what we do. But listening back to that one, I was like, wow, we were angry. Yeah, we, we, were, we were pissed. And, and we had, you know, followed not just Doom Patrol, but every book in Young Animal. Yeah. Uh, you know, doggedly for that segment. Um for I think at that point a year, over a year, right? That's how long. Well, almost two years. Almost. Two and years. Uh, you know, we even read that bug thing. There's so much. You know what I mean? Oh. And, and in the end, you really get the feeling like they just don't give a crap. You know what I mean? That you're you're buying the single issues or you're reading the single issues is meaningless to them. They, and, yeah, they don't give it a second thought. And and I mean that really is the final thing to say. And I think that people should remember when they feel put out by single issues or by the practices of publishers is there is no incentive for the publishers to stop producing single issues until the last comic shop closes. It's true. <laughs> they have no they have no incentive to not do it. They have no real incentive to stay on time. They have no real incentive to even make good comics. Just put out something with a saddle staple. Mm-hmm. As long as the place is gonna gonna not even sell it. They don't care if they sell it. They, they just want to ship it. Yeah, they ship don't it. care if it's. They All don't care if it matters. leaves the shelves. That's how crazy the system is. I mean, try to imagine any other business like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You try to imagine a like even like a, a weapon, like a, a gun manufacturer that didn't didn't give a crap about um, the end, the end user. users, the end buy. You know what I mean? They just had to get a freight load of, of uh, guns to a they just need it moved. <laughs> undisclosed location. And that was all, you know what I mean? Like it's essentially what's happening with comics. You know what I mean? It's like back door, yeah. you know, it's like a back door system. Um, I'm sorry. And, I'm not going off here. No, no. And you're right on because it, you hear us talking now, but you're not going to hear people like us talking on, on social media. No, because the people who quite dare question this get shouted down. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm. You know, you can might as well send uh, Gerard Way a tweet saying, "How how is it that you're so handsome and wise?" <laughs> because because that's that's what it is, or that's that's all they want to hear, and that's that's what's going to get shared. That's yeah. what's going to get you. That's you're going to get your validation heartbeat. You know, I mean, it's. But somebody asking, hey, how come this is so damn late? You're going to get someone like Mark Wade saying, nobody cares. And or, Mark or, Wade is Mark, right. A comic reader. A comic reader will be like, oh, oh I, yeah. I would much rather get the comic in over that, 10 years all drawn and written by. It's like. that's That was my next one. Yep, for yeah. sure. It's, it's people who want the validation. And uh, I mean, it, it's funny because. I've been doing a little bit of research on uh, the announcement of the new 52, uh, and I'm trying to dig up initial reactions is, is what I'm doing. And it's funny because when you <laughs> when you go to one of the sites like CBR or something, it, it, they're, they're so uh, – I don't know if I'm using the word right, but they're like so fascistic where it's like they they remove dissent. Right, right. Oh, on the forum. Of, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. All the forum dissent. Oh, God. At that time, it was like, you know, they were chopping heads over there. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, any negative and negativity about the new 52 was erased from there. And I think God. That was, 
Another site did it too. I can't remember. Maybe it was Bleeding Cool did it. Uh, Newsarama did. I think it was all the big three, yeah. uh, if if that's what they are. Uh, and it's similar with people complaining about delays. Uh, the heads roll. It's uh, that is that that kind of talk is silence because there are just so many uh, wagon circlers who will defend these creators who don't give a crap about them. Yeah. To their last breath. To. I mean, uh, to get that slap on the pack, it's it, it's sad. It kills the whole serialized, you know, the joy of serial. There's no reading. incentive. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing there for it. And, um, you know, it's, I, I've even having a discussion. I've had people say like, you know, like, well, what about the comic retailers? And I'm like, they're getting jerked. Also, you know what I mean? Like, for sure. Like, I I don't want to. I don't want anyone to be out of business. I don't want anyone, you know, to have to. Uh, stop doing what they love, but it's really an abusive relationship between now between comics publishers and the retailers. Uh, they are they are totally um, at the whim at the you know of whatever. God, we, we were laughing, or I was I was more laughing about DC's <laughs> blank books. Uh, yeah, all the blank books. Yeah, <laughs> these blank books are the are the funniest punchline I've I've seen in years. Where it's, it's literally, the biggest middle finger. It's yeah. literally just like you'll buy whatever the hell we put out, buddy, and they absolutely mm-hmm. will. They absolutely did it, and they'll keep doing it. Uh, they will. They you know, and as long as they get that bookstore edition to sell later on and to sell hopefully indefinitely, there's there's nothing to there's no incentive for them to stop or improve their single issues. Uh, in terms it's true. of in terms of schedule or anything, they, it doesn't. It's meaningless to them, you know, because they print to order. You know what I mean? They're then yep. and they sell every copy. So yeah, as far as the uh, as far as the company knows, those, those shipped ones count as sold. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they're sitting on a on a shelf or somewhere uh, or or in somebody's long box. It doesn't matter to them where it winds up. And and we talked um, a couple years ago, actually, now where. We did our little explanation on the fifth weeks, right? And uh, that's that's uh, one of the weird comics histories out there. I think like twenty two or twenty three. Very early one, I think, right? Yeah, oh, okay. uh, midway. Oh. But uh, we talked about how just that one week could be so detrimental to the industry because people come in to buy their books and they're not there. Yeah. Because they don't, they're not in the know, and they don't know that, hey, you know, four months out of the year have five Wednesdays. So these books won't be there. Right. All they know is that I go to the comic store every Wednesday and I buy a comic book. Yeah, I guess Spider-Man is there. And then and they Absolutely. may never they may never come back after that, you know. Yeah, they they miss a week and that might just be enough to shake it off of them where they don't come back. And now we're looking at I mean that's that's something that's just something that the comics industry has to deal with. That's out of their control really. I mean they could do things as stop gaps, but that's a pain in the ass in and of itself. Right. Here they're just not shipping the product. No, they, it, I, it, they don't care. When I, you know. when I worked in, I worked in, uh, in, in management for a, a decade or so. And when people would call in sick repeatedly, I would just say, Hey, I'm just trying to give you money. <laughs> that's all. And it's, you just have to come in. I will give you money. That's all. I'm, that's I'm, not, I'm, not, the... I'm not asking you to do me a favor. I'm trying to, I'm actually paying you. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're not. The privilege. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not coming in to be my friend. Just come in and I'll give you money. Yeah. But it's, that's what it is with the, with the, with the comics now. It's, if Doomsday Clock came out every, every month, holy cow. Oh my God. It would, I think it would be, I mean, now actually what I heard was Doomsday Clock tipped below. A hundred thousand shipped. 
which uh, it, it should not it should ever. not it not have been that was definitely planned to be a high impact title the whole way through but i think but I think now I, people are waiting for the trade because I'm, it's halfway done i i i mean frankly i was already waiting for the trade you know because <laughs> well, we get the comps but definitely by now i would be i'd be like and uh, i'd be like i'm not you know what am i you know the trade will be out in the next fall. That'll be fine. I'll just read the whole thing at once. The way you probably should end up reading it. Yeah, uh, it was meant to be. Yeah. You know what I also see on, online too. And you know I don't see this from publishers so much, but I see it from people who whose attitude is well. You know, if you go to the store and Spider Man isn't there, then someone will buy something else. And I'm like, no, they don't. Like that was no. true in the newsstand days when you and yeah. your friends would go and you had to get a dollar burning a hole in your pocket, and you had to get a bag of chips and a comic. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. now. No, no one's like, oh, well, I, I'm going to spend $4 on something. I have to. Yeah. I have to yeah, spend they, it on something. It's like they, Spider-Man's out there. They they leave. They may not come back ever again. Yeah, and, 4 uh, to $8 is not an impulse buy. It's not an impulse Exactly. It's... Because even like you could get like those Walmart comics, the DC Walmart ones. They're, those are $5, and you get like five or six times the story you yeah, get in a regular get a issue yeah. that you're paying a dollar less for. I mean, I could see that being an impulse buy, but those are... Those are going to be there because that's there's very little work done in those. If, if you, uh, but if you're going for value, right? That would be the, that oh, would be that's, the best value that's a on the kick-ass yeah. value for sure. But yeah, like you said, if you go in for Spider-Man, who you're paying either four or five dollars for, and all that's there is Supergirl, you're probably not going to you're not going to plop that down. You're not going to plop that 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 Lincoln on the on the on the register there. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen, but it's not likely. And that you know that week that you don't get Spider-Man, that is a week that might whet your appetite for Spider-Man, but it's also a week that you can reflect and and realize. That you don't like the comic, and that you know what I mean. <laughs> so you, 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 you that's why I made it two weeks, and I'm okay. You got to keep the pressure up. I, I you know, I've heard. I, I think you've actually talked about that. Like comics collectors, like you know, when you when you take a break, there's a little anxiety, but then you realize, like, wait, the world didn't stop turning. You know, it's a month later, and uh, it's true. Everything is okay. What's uh, I thought? I thought life ended after I didn't get my latest yeah, She-Hulk or whatever. Because I I made a decision to. Uh, because Marvel's putting out this Uncanny X-Men. It's a weekly comic book. Right. Done. Done with it. You're not doing collect- it, huh? I remember we talked I, about this, whether you yeah, were I've been it collecting, or not. I've been collecting a book with the word Uncanny X-Men in, on the title for over 30 years. Yeah. What they're doing with this thing now is garbage. Done. It, it's, and, uh, it sounds like an absolute just cash, cash grab, and it sounds like it's going to be a disaster. I mean... And the fact that that they that they did not publish an Uncanny X Men book for a number of years now, and I lived. Yeah, I, I'm I'm over it. I'm you, okay. I you, think I'll be all right. Maybe you can be the guy that collected it to a certain point, you know, and that'll be that. That'll uh, be fun. You know what the team yeah, is, by the way? Is is it the classics? Uh... I haven't the foggiest idea. All right. Well, we'll, we'll try to find out for that. <laughs> We'll we'll get some info. On I know that. there's something like 35 writers on it, but well, uh, that, 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 that's what this sounds like. It's going to be. It's going to be a uh, rotating creative uh, team of the week, so that does not bode well for a no. comic book and a weekly. You know, we're dealing with another weekly right now on a cosmic treadmill. It's true. And uh, you know, you, this is not an easy thing to pull off and make it interesting week to week. For sure. um, but we're just we're just asking month to month for God's sake. That's please. it. That's so, it. Or, or if it's going to be bi monthly. Deliver every sixty days. If it's going to be quarterly, deliver every three do, months. Do but, that, yeah. You know, um, yeah. I, I don't remember. It was somebody at Marvel? I heard an interview. I don't remember whether Casada or whatever, but he talked about like when they hire artists, 
to find out what they can do. If you if you do less than a page a day penciling, they can still use you, but that means they have to schedule a fill it. You know, so see how many sure. issues or how early we have to do it to can, get you to do yeah. your arc. You know what I mean? And it's like that. That's that's what we mean by you know different people get different uh, dispensation, but that they got to be honest. They got to be upfront about what they're able to do. And uh, frankly, I think that when I hear a writer delay. It makes me want to, you know, kick them into a ditch. It's ridiculous. There's, there's no reason, you know, unless unless you're in a coma. I mean, like things could happen health-wise, yeah. but if you are walking around with a of a right mind and you can't get your, your fucking band. comic yeah. writing done, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. You're, you're, uh, there's no reason. Even t-shirt signings at Hot Topic, you can get your comic book done. I, I mean, really though, you know, it's, 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 we got people out there writing five, six comics a month. You can't do your one right? comic. But anyway, we don't want to turn this into another Doom Patrol screen. No, no, not today. Uh, if you want to hear that, listen to the latest uh, Young Animal Gatherums. Uh, not, the, yes. not the newest one, but I think the one before this was a real... But it's going to be the last one. It's going to oh. come out uh, the first week of December. It'll be episode 18 of the Young Animal Gathering, uh, where... For the issue 12, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, that's... And <laughs> last week's, uh, I think it was number 14, I actually put a... A uh, warning on it for our language because it's uh, we, we, we try keeping it clean, but that was that was a bridge too far for even. Oh, us. I got so mad! I really got so mad. <laughs> so so bad. bad. I know what, what what kills us about that is that it's like now the Doom Patrol Earth has been tainted for X amount of time, and you know I don't I don't want to see another Doom Patrol now for a while. I need I need them yeah. to put it away and come back out with a better idea. But mm-hmm. uh, who knows? Sure. <laughs> Who knows, Chris? We'll see what happens. But anyway, that's our take on uh, deadlines and the deadline mm-hmm. doom, and also just like kind of the crappy state of comics these days. Deadlines are no longer important, and it just nope. it bodes for the whole way I think publishing treats single issues that they're not important. And but uh, one one place that still has a deadline is your local comic book store. That's right. They still have to get that money in at a certain time, whether the book is coming or not. They still have bills to pay uh, every yep. every week and definitely every, you know, on a monthly basis. So, uh, mm. you know, I would, I, you know, I'll be honest, maybe we will sometime get the point of view of a retailer, you know what I mean, with how they That's feel about idea. this because they're almost like in a hostage situation. It's, you know what I mean? Like if they want to, sure. they want to keep selling Comics, they're not going to stop selling Marvel and DC. I've heard places claim to do that, or that they're going to do that. I've never, yeah. heard, I've never heard of a place following through. You, you have your local shop that he stopped <clears throat> new issues altogether. Stopped new issues, which, yeah. which is a very bold, ballsy move. But that almost oh, yeah. that makes that that's you know less crazy than cutting one of the publishers out i feel like you know that's like yeah absolutely yeah it's it's whole hog or exactly or you're doing it to make a statement and uh and if you do if you cut marvel out you're going to be put on that list you got to watch out for that list (laughs) and uh if you cut dc out i mean you might get another list who knows no but there'll be another list of you know no one reads but 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 it's stupid (laughs) because people come into the comic store they expect to see uh both both publishers at least those two represented at the minimum absolutely Uh, maybe yeah, maybe I'll you know I'll I'll put some feelers out see if we can talk to a retailer and what they yeah how they feel about the situation and deadline uh, delays because I'm sure it really bothers the hell out of them more, even more than us that's their oh, money yeah. they're dealing with. For, I, I can only imagine when they see the when they see these like when they saw the uh, the press release for Doomsday Clock. Going on hiatus. Oh my God! Um, they Can you imagine they, they? They're not eating dinner for a couple days. I mean, actually, it's... I saw. I there was even there was even talk about on like uh, people wrote 
I say it's usually that guy, that one guy in Detroit always Hibbs? writes. Uh, no, uh, he probably did. I know you mean that's the guy in, in San Francisco, the right? Tilting at windmills guy, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he wrote something, but I can't remember the guy. This is a guy. Hmm. This is a guy who has a. Uh, he has a store in Michigan. He he always bleeding cool usually runs his essays, but he always whatever happens. He always though, opines. Yeah. It could it could be it could be you know Dan DiDio you know lit a cigar and he would go nuts about the smell. <laughs> of it. So it's uh anyway that's that's pretty much I think the nuts and bolts of what I we got to so. say here. Um, you know it does not bode well, but that is sort of where we are with the modern comics, and that's why we do a podcast about classic ones, I think. Really. It's true. That's where, we're, that's where we have a good time. <laughs> we, but... don't, we, we don't want the explicit tag. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We're, we're, trying not, we're trying not to get too angry where, you know, my heart can't take all that aggravation. Um, <laughs> but anyway, of course, we want to know what you guys think, all of our sure. uh, lovely patrons, and this is a closed podcast, so if you just want to reply right where the uh, this is posted on Patreon, or of course, write to us at Weird Comics History at Gmail. Uh, this can be a place where we have, you know, more private conversations where we can get to answer your mails more rapidly and things sure. like that. So, uh, definitely would love to know what you think. Um, but I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. This no, time I, around. I think so. And if uh, if there are any topics out there you want us to discuss, uh, anything sure. out there you think will rile us up, uh, <laughs> let us know. Oh, boy. We're going to go down that path. Huh? All right. <laughs> and, uh, I see, and also I see do, a uh, new 52 discussion in our future now all of a sudden. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But no, I think that's about it. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks for uh, everything. We really can't thank you enough. You know, we, we picked up a few patrons in November. We're so... Amazed, it's gone way beyond our uh, thoughts at, to this point. We thought we would, would not be nearly where we are. So, yes, uh, thank you so much, everybody, Absolutely. and thank uh, you so much. Talk to you soon. Yeah. You said